0: Welcome to episode number 73, The Power of the Positive. I am your host, Damon Soka. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying these podcasts, then pass it along to someone you know. On to today's podcast. So much in life is often negative, from crime shows and depictions of death, to tornadoes and hurricanes, to waiting for the big crash at the Indy Race, to the eventual fight in the hockey ring. We're drawn to those moments where, chaos seems to reign and people's lives are upended and uprooted. I'm not sure what's so deep inside us that these moments are the ones that draw our attention. So often good news is met with shoulder shrugs and a meh, while a major car wreck on the freeway gets traffic to stop on both sides. I do admit, as you probably would admit also, that we seem to have a fascination with death and all that surrounds it. Now, I have no doubt that is due to the unknown, and as I have said before, the brain does not like the unknown. Our brain is built to solve problems, fill in the blanks, and provide a seamless experience to us without having to worry about unknown events or outside conditions. So much of our life is often filled with these unknowns. Now, I've been reading a lot of articles in the news about the underlying problems associated with pandemic life. Now, beyond the normal consequences and problems associated with a pandemic and an illness, much of the discussion has centered on mental illness and the significant increase in what we would call environmental caused mental illness. From the statistics, it has almost doubled. Depression, anxiety, loss of connection, loss of really everything we once had, and of course, the unknown end to it all. Now, nothing about a pandemic is good for the brain in the sense of the unknown and of the restrictive environmental nature. We now walk six feet from anyone. The smiles we once had are now covered by masks. We spend far more time at home, away from outside friends and other social connections. We don't even shake hands anymore. Something I never thought that I would miss with my own arthritic hands. We have been assured that all of this is temporary and, of course, for our own good, but the brain doesn't see the end in it and focuses itself on the present to really see or represent our future. One of the more powerful forces induced by mental illness is the projection of a negative future or a future without end to the mental entanglement and the stress in our lives. Most of us do not think about the future in the sense that it is our consistent focus. Sure, we stress about exams or speaking assignments or callings or even the lack thereof. We look forward to the birth of children, weddings, and special events, but we really don't think about the future in detail. Our brain does much of that in the background. Because our brain does not like unknowns and surprises, it goes about creating a predictable future so that we are prepared and we don't have to think about it. The greater the unknown and the current stress in our lives, the more difficult it becomes to predict the future or predict future events in a positive way. Now You see, our brains have only our past experiences and our present state of mind to predict the future. The brain is not consumed with creating positive experiences in our future unless we have sufficient experience with them and our mind is in a positive state. Even when we've had positive experiences, if our current state of mind is depressed, seriously depressed or anxious, levels of doubt will occur about the future positive events based on how we feel in our current state of mind. The brain has difficulty seeing a different future than the present. It expects that our future will continue from the point we are at in the present, and that includes all the information in the present, such as our location, such as current events, current state of mental awareness, and positive or negative feelings, and even current environmental conditions. The brain projects through our present to provide for our future, and if you are having a rough episode, that future is going to feel terrible and look terrible. Now switching the subject for a minute, let's talk about something related to this positive state of mind and mental illness that's incredibly important. Now I've met far too many people in my life who have stated the following, you just need to get over it, put it out of your mind and get past it, speaking of course about my illness. Or they might say, or you just need to change your attitude, as if I were choosing to be depressed and anxious. I haven't had anyone recently really talk to me that way, but I know they're still out there. They are the naysayers who don't believe really because they've never experienced life as we have. I've even heard high counselors say that they need to teach the people to get off all those medications and just look at life in a more positive way. They, those individuals actually used to ruffle my feather, feathers a little. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that and what I'm about to say. Even stake presidents, bishops, and the like have opinions about mental illness that aren't correct and give false advice from chairs where their opinion can have serious effects on the lives of those they have been called to serve. Now, I've experienced it and probably far too many times. I am, however, always obedient to my leaders, and so I always take their counsel under advisement. I ponder it with the Lord until I know how best to proceed given the circumstances and what they've said. Even when the advice sometimes at first seems a little contradictory, I have actually found portions of that advice that tend to be valuable. Yes, our leaders are fallible, fallible, And they can at times give advice that is not in line with what needs to take place. But if we are humble enough to understand that it's that understand is that not only can we help our leaders to see mental illness in a new light, but we can also gain insight to ourselves into the processes the Lord uses with our leaders. The important aspect of this idea is simply try your best to be understanding where someone else is not. Try to understand their experience and how you might best help them see mental illness in a new light rather than, like me, to get ruffled feathers and attacking what you perceive to be a threat in your life. Now let's combine the contrary idea of complete control of our emotional state with what we know how the brain works. We know, mental illness people, we know that we cannot simply change our emotional state and thought patterns in a moment. That's just false. Mental illness does not and never has worked that way. It is chemistry driven, whether that driver is genetics or environment or both. And while it is true that we cannot change the chemistry and the eventual thought patterns in a moment, it is important to note that we should not throw out the idea that positive environments and actions can help a negative mental state. In other words, While the extreme example of entirely changing your attitude by thinking about it is absolutely false, there does exist some benefit to placing yourself in positive-inducing environments. For instance, there is good evidence that meditation can be very helpful to someone suffering mental illness. Now, they are not likely to have the same meditational experience as others without the illness, but meditation adapted to mental illness. Is using a positive action to create a more positive experience and environment. Meditation is not going to cure mental illness, but it can be a useful tool to help decrease the intensity of the experience. Music is another good example of something that can create either a positive or negative experience and emotional setting. It has long been known that music can and does influence emotion and the type of music can have effects on heart rate, levels of stress, mental acuity, and a variety of factors on the brain that influence the intensity of mental illness experience. Now, when listening to music, it is more natural for the brain to select music that already fits the emotional state of the, ev- of the individual, really kind of reinforcing the negative mental illness, meaning that you are more likely to listen to depressing, demotivating, anxiety-inducing song structures. For instance, I used to listen to Chicago almost consistently. It was the music that fit my emotional state. Now, I'm not sure that it was always the best choice, and I am sure that I probably could have picked more uplifting music with perhaps even a more a faster beat or peppier lyrics than some of the more depressing Chicago songs of the 1980s. Meaning, that we can deliberately interject positive emotions into a negative situation simply by selecting music that has a faster, peppier beat with more upbeat lyrics. Music is really a personal thing, of course, as some people love classical music to do this, uh, which I don't understand, and that's okay. And some people like jazz. Again, not my choice. As for me, these would not provide what I need in a positive emotional experiences. There are certainly many other things that one can do, from avoiding nighttime news and perhaps crime shows to even avoiding sports as they tend to create emotional roller coasters rather than temper feelings. The important aspect of this idea is that we find ways to interject positive vibes, if that's what you want to call them, into our lives. Now, I'm not saying that these alone or even several of them together will cure anything but they can lessen the impact of the episode, and that is important for a very particular reason, the brain. Have you ever noticed how bleak your future is during an episode of depression or anxiety? I have, for the main reasons that I had bipolar disorder. My mind and emotions would shift from very depressed state where I didn't really want to leave the house to a state where I could do anything and all I wanted to do is go and do. What I thought about, what I did, what I expected to occur, changed with my emotional state, even to the point where, embarrassingly, I thought that I could walk on as a kicker for a collegiate football team without any experience. Luckily, I had no time to follow through, but even that idea is incredibly important. Things that are impossible during depression are very possible without it. Our emotional state directly influences what we desire to do and what we believe that we can do. That's just the way our brain works. During depression and anxiety, our brain focuses on the negative and failure in a way that causes us to avoid future problems and failures. When we are not so entrenched in the illness, things that you would never have tried or experienced actually begin to come back into the realm of possibility. Even a slight change in emotional experience can move something from impossible to possible. This is where we come to positive thinking and the value of purposefully interjecting positive environments into our negative conscious. We should seek to bring these uplifting experiences into our lives as best we can. We may not be able to mediate meditate, perhaps very long one day, but a short time frame will be better for the illness than none at all. Maybe our music isn't exactly uplifting one day, but a slight change the next day makes an improvement. The power of the positive is actually a greater asset than most of us might think with mental illness. Now, I didn't learn this aspect of my illness until much later in my life, and I do attempt to employ it more frequently now. That I have learned some of its aspects. There is a power that comes from bringing those experiences and positive environments into our lives. Do I still watch crime shows from time to time? Yes, I do. I blame the scientist in me, but maybe it's just old habits. I do listen to much better, more uplifting music, and not just church music. I listen to all types of uplifting music with good messages. But once in a while, the 80s do return for a time. I can't tell you how strange it is to listen to that music and to bring back some of the more poignant emotions I once had. Now, even when I do listen, generally now it's not for very long anymore. I just have too many memories recorded with that music. And that's also something very important to understand. That when we listen to particular types of music during our depressions or our anxieties, that emotional experiences will become locked up with that particular type of music. And when that particular music is brought back to our conscious, those emotions can also return. So it is important to understand that as you begin to implement some of these more positive environments and actions, you are going to feel some resistance from the brain, and probably some very serious resistance from the brain and your emotional state. You have developed habits, and if you haven't listened to my podcast about the habits, you should. Habits are simply routines that bypass the conscious decision-making part of the brain and are deeply embedded into our subconscious. They are difficult to root out because our brain at one time solved or mediated a problem that has now been reinforced several times over until the brain no longer has to think about it. Now, these habits are so often deeply ingrained that the brain resists changing them and seriously resists changing them. And so you are likely to feel that resistance. Music is one of the habitual things that will be terribly difficult to disrupt at times. The power of the music upon the brain is comparable to hypnosis. And the brain will often resist new music and different types of music based solely on your previous listening habits and your previously reinforced experiences. Creating these new positive experiences, as I have found, is not going to be easy, but it does in time pay benefits to your overall goal and health in managing a mental illness. Now, when we speak of spiritual things and positive experiences with the Spirit, it is important that you continue to work to have that Spirit of the Lord even if you don't feel it very often. That work you do is doing far more good than you feel or understand. Now, I get it that it's difficult to attend church when your anxiety is through the roof or your depression has gone through the basement. To go to church and to feel depressed or serious anxiety is tough, and tough really doesn't explain it. I admit that there are some days when it will be too tough and the Lord understands, but working towards placing yourself in positive environments and locations is important. Now I've done this regularly, and at times I've had to go home early. Sometimes I only got through a few scriptures or just one part of a conference talk. Understand that sometimes what little you do is enough. Pressuring yourself to go far beyond your capacity is probably not going to help your situation. You want the positive to be in your life, but not at the expense of serious stress and increasingly, increasing disability getting there. Now, understand that anything you can do to bring the Spirit of the Lord into your life, even when you don't feel it, is probably of, well, it is of highest importance. Now, I say that you don't feel it. What I mean is, is that when you are deeply in an episode, the spirit will change the way that it communicates with you, and this might feel like the spirit has left you alone. Now, I have found that when I am moving through more normal phases of my life, the spirit has a tendency to talk to my heart and my mind. However, when I am moving through more difficult phases, the spirit moves more towards enlightenment of my mind rather than those moving emotions of the heart. Now, that has been my experience as I look back upon it. The spirit has needed to adjust its communications best, best based on what I needed and what could be understood. Now, I would suspect that the same would be true for you. However, your experience may be different than mine. I admit to being one of those who has, in the past, resisted positive reinforcement in my life. I more often let the illness take me over and control I did attend to church and scriptures, even when things were tough. Now, Looking back, the more I was able to include in my life that was positive, often the better I did with my illness. However, my methods were very inconsistent, and the inconsistency caused me to doubt even the effectiveness of positive experiences and those environments in my life. I never really understood the power of positive moments. Now, the final note In my discussion discussion today, is the power of positive thinking, working towards a more positive outlook on life, even when in the midst of depression, anxiety, and other illnesses. Now, I say that with a caveat that I know the difficulty of doing this. You almost have to possess the ability to have an out of body experience where you can look from the outside at your feelings of negative perception and interject. In some form positive thoughts. I will say that I've had some success with this, although I might define success a little different than most people. If you can interject even some positive thoughts that allow me to do something that alters my future for the better, even in small ways, then I call that success. Certainly doing this type of exercise while meditating or listening to uplifting music can enhance your experience. But I will say that it takes practice, and failure is going to occur regularly, even when you have some successes. However, sticking with it will eventually provide some good experiences and the ability to lessen some symptoms over time. Now, in the end, success is going to depend depend entirely upon you. It does certainly help to have those around you with positive attitudes, but ultimately, you are going to need to find those positive environments and moments that you can interject just a shot of positive nature into your soul, even if that shot only lasts for a moment. Now, I haven't really addressed the Lord in this discussion, and what I can say for certain is that He can provide all types of help in positive ways if you ask and you look for them. The Lord does work in His own ways, so sometimes those positive experiences might seem a little baffling at first. Don't get discouraged with the Lord because something didn't turn out the way you expected, or help didn't come in the way you desired. The Lord, the help, will be there, but maybe not in the way you expect. More often, you will need to open your mind to what the Lord is providing, and you might even ask Him to help you do this. The Lord is there and will always be there to give you what you need in His own way and time. Listening and waiting can be difficult, but can also be defining and refining to the soul. Now, as part of my current techniques for positive thinking, I often combine meditation and prayer, and I actually have found this to be very beneficial. I've been able to look at very as- various aspects of my life with the Lord and discuss and think about things with, let's say, a whole new understanding. Now, this has taken some time and effort to develop. I used to feel that the Lord did not talk with me much during my prayers and meditation. And I still often have questions waiting for answers in the back of my mind. But as I've developed my meditation skills and the ability to listen and learn, my meditation has become such a positive experience that I look forward to it every night. Now, I understand that many of you might want to know how it works and what do I do to obtain it to, to do this meditation. Now, i felt to share what I do so that perhaps others might find their own path with this type of meditation. First of all, meditation takes time and effort, and being interrupted frequently is going to be problematic, so it's important to find a quiet place to begin the process free of distractions. Now, I wear earplugs to bed at night, so I often put these in to filter out some of the noise of the house. My normal process is to place myself in a reasonably comfortable position. I've tried kneeling by my bed, but my arthritic knees simply can't do that for very long. So I often sit cross-legged on my bed. I don't think that the position matters entirely, just as long as you are comfortable and it won't be a distraction to you. The second thing I do is to take deep breaths and attempt to relax my brain and body. I then begin talking in my mind or even out loud, more of a whisper about the normal things in my life for which I am grateful. Sometimes that list is long, sometimes it's short. During that time frame, if something comes to mind, I follow it through with the Lord. If it's a concern, then I if it's a concern at work, then I ponder it. If it's a personal trial, I do the same. My pondering is often a combination of thoughts and words. I talk, I listen to my thoughts, and if needed, emotions and walk through the concern instance by instance, and piece by piece. Now, while I walk through it, I'm attentive to redirection in my thoughts, and that even includes what I would call empty voids. Sometimes those voids are as telling to me as the Lord speaking directly to me. There are moments when I receive direction. There are moments when the empty void comes. And there are moments when I am directed to do something else. I need to ponder. Now, while I do not allow my mind to entirely wander everywhere, I do allow for thoughts to flow in an uneven pattern, in and out of my mind. I do not hold anything back in my discussion with the Lord, but I am respectful to the idea that He is a God and a Father. I ask questions. I allow the voice in me to sometimes form those questions. I found that the Lord often alters my questions as I ask them. For me, this often comes as subtle changes to the wording of my question, or thought-specific words that come into my mind. When my questions are altered, I ponder the new question and why it has been altered. I allow for my mind to flow through all of my concerns and problems and everything that I'm thinking, questioning, or even desiring in my life. Now, I know that sometimes we hold back when it comes to talking to the Lord about sin tough questions about life and the gospel, our weaknesses, our fears in our life. Now, sometimes we feel awkward just addressing some things. I have felt this regularly, and in the past, I have attempted to, let's say, parse my words or alter them, thinking of God more as a, let's say, CEO God running a large creation business with trillions of souls than as a true personal father God. Perhaps I did not think that he was concerned about the small things in my life. As I have come to understand him as a very personal father, I rarely have any concerns thinking and talking through even the smallest of matters with him. Now, he doesn't always comment on everything every night, but I have found increasing communication from him as I meditate each night. Sometimes I find it difficult to find a stopping point, talking point, talking through doctrine, small family and work matters listening for advice and even direction on a topic I wasn't even thinking about. My meditative prayers have increased in length over time, although I'm never concerned with length. But the time passes without me ever really feeling it. I have opened my life in every way to the Lord, and I admit that He has responded far greater than I had expected. Now, an important part of this process is to make sure that I am not driving the spirit away each day with music or media that distracts, And I've had conversations about this very topic with the Lord. The one thing that has made a huge difference with these meditative prayers is something the prophet said about contention. Basically, he has stated that he removes all contention from his life, from the media he watches to his communication, to basically everything in his life. He discards it all and avoids it all. And since I have done this, the communication from the Lord has increased dramatically over time. So that is my basic process and sometimes it just doesn't end and I lay down and continue to think as I fall asleep. Now this meditation has been a more recent blessing in my life and discovery and has enhanced my relationship with the Lord many times over. I hope that today by sharing this you might be able to find an increased relationship with the Lord. I hope that he may continue to bless and guide you And in the end, may you do your small part so that he can do his. Talk to you next week.